Well, good morning, Central. It's great to see you guys. It's awesome to worship with you guys. Also, hello to everyone watching online. We're so glad you're joining with us. My name is Scott DeSanders. I'm uh, a pastor in town at another church here in Round Rock. My family, we've lived here for about five years. My wife, Yvonne, who's joining over here, and it's her birthday tomorrow. So why don't we say a quick happy birthday. Ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday. And uh, we got a picture of my family. We've got two little boys. Uh, this is Wes that I'm holding that just turned three with some weird stretchy legs, I guess. And then Gray down below, who is five. Um, and so they keep everything very exciting in our house. These are our future Storm Chasers students, the ones that are obsessed with tornadoes for some strange reason. We don't get it. Well, for everyone that hasn't been with us all weekend, we have been in the topic of reset, as you see behind me very clearly. We've been, we've been exploring the challenging consideration of what perhaps God might have been up to in the past year of all of our lives. Has he been offering all of us some kind of large-scale reset where maybe we have the chance to put to death some of the things that have needed to fall away and perhaps move towards new goals or new visions, new ways of living and habits for our households and our daily lives. We started all together with the students a few nights ago with a recognition that God has the prerogative to push the reset button on things. He can do that. And he tends to do it when things are no longer operating according to their best design. And he knows that. We also recognize that a reset can feel like death. And a lot of what we have experienced this year feels like things have been lost and are dying. It's an opportunity for us to seek closure and peace with what lies behind us, even the things that bring pain or discomfort. And then last night, together, we agreed that our calling in the midst of a time of reset and transition is to trust God wholly and completely. But that's a tall task. And trust is challenging when it feels like things are being wasted, right? I want to think about that concept of waste. A couple of years ago, my wife, and she loves cooking. She's awesome at it. And she was exposing Gray when he was just a toddler to what cooking looked like in the kitchen. And uh, so she was making a pad thai. It was amazing. She had up on the island a, a crock pot, and she'd put all the wonderful, yummy stuff in there. And she had Gray with a high chair up next to the island so he could watch and help. And for some strange reason, she turns her attention somewhere else for just a moment and what does Gray do? He hawks up a big loogie and for no reason spits it right into the crockpot. Where did he learn this? Not me. I don't know. Maybe my wife's up. Who knows? Well, it was wasted. She had to throw away the whole crockpot. And maybe we had PB&J that night. Who knows? But Pad Thai did not happen. And truthfully, there's times like that for you and me, even over this past year, where we can recognize that something we've been working on feels like it's wasted away. What's that been for you? Did you just maybe start a business and get things off the ground? And then COVID hit, and you're wondering, was that all for a waste? 
Maybe I just got comfortable into a new school or as a family. We chose this new environment for our kids. But everything got thrown off. Is it for naught? Maybe I missed out on relationships for months and months with aging parents or with our grandkids. We've experienced that as our our kids have had more and more distance from their grandparents. And we wonder, like, is that time wasted? Are we ever going to get back to where it was? I know when COVID started, I remember looking at the new mask business. Like all of a sudden people were putting out customized vanity masks. And I laughed at this. I thought, well, that's a waste. That's not going to be around tomorrow, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's easy for us to see a reset as a waste of our time or our resources. It's easy for us to focus on the loss and what's left behind instead of turning to look ahead to what God may be doing and things still to come. We can know in our heads that God is in control. And still in our hearts, we mourn the time past that suddenly feels fruitless. How are we possibly to celebrate resources that we've worked so hard to build and to grow when after a time of transition, so many of those feel inadequate or futile. So central, here's the, here's the switch that we can start to practice flipping as we modify our perspective from this point of viewing as, as waste. Our big concept is this, that a reset provides Opportunity and promise. Think about that. A reset provides both opportunity and promise. But it's all a matter of perspective. So, let's look in Scripture. If you guys would turn with me to Genesis chapter 8, where you can pull it up on your digital devices. We're going to look together at the story of Noah in Genesis 8, where we've been, students, all weekend looking at at God's story through Noah. But here we are in Genesis 8. We find Noah and the entirety of the human race all in this fragile, crucial moment of history with Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives. And that's it. That's humanity. That's humankind. We've already walked through the moments of the flood coming and and all the people of the earth perishing away. And Noah and his family preserved on the ark for months and months and months, waiting on God and trusting him. And we find ourselves with a fresh start. That's the first thing we see in the story. We find ourselves at a fresh start. The scene opens with the ark settling on dry ground. And Noah's already secured that the water has receded away. He's already confirmed things from multiple bird messengers. He's opened up the ark to look outside and see that the earth is once again composed of dry land. And so with God's command, the inhabitants of the ark, they set out. No doubt their sea legs are shaky as they step for the first time onto rocky soil again. And then Noah and his family somehow unload all the animals that they've been painstakingly guarding and taking care of for all those months and months on the sea. What process must this have taken? Can you imagine? Did they just release the animals back into the wild? Like, go on, get, go home. 
Or did they take some of those clean animals and try to domesticate them, the ones they knew could be used for resources? The Bible doesn't record all of this in detail. Instead, what we do see is Noah's response to the Lord. It's a response of his spirit and soul, his heart connection to the provider God who had saved him from certain doom. One of the first things that we see Noah do after coming out of the ark comes in verse 20. Would you read there with me? It tells us, Genesis 8:20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I've done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. I love this, you guys. In that first response to God, as, Moses, or as Noah offers the sacrifice, he is actually offering a reset for humanity's relationship with God. Noah recognizes this new start of redemption in how we can operate in relationship with the Lord. It's a new relationship of humility and obedience. And his sacrifice was pleasing to the Lord. Did you notice that? God accepted Noah's humble offering. And this exchange, it creates a new pattern between God and his people. God's people submit to him in contrition, offering back the best of the good things that he has provided and blessed us with. And then he receives our worship in acceptance. I'm sure Noah could easily think back to the previous generations of humanity. He was around them before the flood came. He knew how evil filled their hearts at all times. The same evil that God acknowledges here is still present. But surely Noah recalls how the human heart can live in flagrant disobedience to God. Ignoring Him. Resisting Him. But in this act of sacrifice, Noah lays a new pattern of dependence. Dependence that's going to set a precedent for humankind from this point forward. We need God and we submit our will to his in worship. As God's grandiose reset continues, the next thing we see is the opportunity of a new creation. Because remember, a reset provides opportunity. God actually provides new opportunity for us all the time. I think typically our eyes are a little bit closed to it. We haven't fully trained our spirits and our hearts to perceive when God is opening a new door of opportunity in our lives. But they're there. For me, a big season of that looked pretty unique. My, uh, my growing up years, I grew up in a household that was broken. And so I lived with my mother and a stepfather. My father was in the same city. We all lived up in Dallas. But I would only see him about once a month. 
And so that relationship was lacking. There was proximity, but without intimacy and without a lot of understanding. There was appreciation mutually, but we didn't communicate super well. Not in a way that I knew that he was there for me and he was someone that I could count on and depend on. That relationship just never grew. And so over years, that that emotional distance grew into a physical distance. In my high school years and beyond, when I got to college, I decided to, to go to school far away. And I went to college up in New England, far from home. And some of that distance started to grow into a resentment in my heart. A building up of a wall where I started to close myself off to the past. And I saw that as a chapter that was done. And it was dead. I felt a a sort of closure. But students, not the kind of closure we've talked about that's healthy and comes from God. But a closure that I manufactured myself. And it stemmed from a place of resentment. And then in 2003, everything changed. God brought me back back home, so that I could experience grad school, go to seminary at Dallas Seminary. And I found myself in an apartment 10 minutes from my father's house. And I found myself more frequently hearing from him and being invited to come over to his house and spend time with him and my stepmom. I found that relationship starting to blossom out of nowhere. Because God had given a new opportunity there. And so for me, my tentativeness, encouraged by a strong counselor in my life during those days, there was an encouragement for me to open up my heart to this new opportunity. And so in a season of reset, God provided that wide open door of opportunity for me. I just had to get over myself, see it for what it was, and step through it. These days, things are so different. I have a relationship that's grown and and built up over years, thanks to the Lord. A relationship that has trust there and and healthier communication for us. He's a part of, of my life on a regular basis. He's a part of his grandson's life. It's a beautiful thing. Dad, if you're watching this, I love you. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity that we've had. You guys, let's look at the opportunity that God gave Noah and the fledgling human race newly preserved through Noah's family in the ark. So look with me at chapter 9. We'll start right at the beginning of Genesis 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Skip ahead to verse 3. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. What we see here is that opportunity of new creation, you guys. There's a motif in this section of Noah's story of recreation. And it actually takes us back to the very beginning in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. If you followed along with Noah's story, think about this with me. We had the chaos of the floodwaters that covered the earth, right? 
That happened while the ark was out floating. And then the waters receded and there was a new separation of the waters from the dry land. Right? Just like in Genesis chapter 1. And then the living things and the animals and creeping things emerge and come out of the ark and fill the earth back up again. And then humanity arrives as Noah's family steps out of the ark. And then God's command here, multiply and fill the earth. Exactly what he had said back to Adam and Eve. It's like God is restating his expectations for humanity. We're still his image bearers, just like at the beginning. Still with the opportunity to have dominion over the earth as its caretakers. What a beautiful blessing. And so in this section we just read, mankind is called to three things with regards to life. First, to produce life, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Produce life. That's what Noah and his family is called to do. Second, to protect life. God gives him all the animals to eat, no longer just vegetation. And that's a good thing, right? Because we like our breakfast tacos to have some bacon in it. But man's not to abuse that. We're to protect life. And so God calls Noah and his family to not eat the things that still have life within them. No longer to have their lifeblood still within them by the time we consume them and take that life. And the third thing is to preserve life. That reckoning that man must have for every other living thing and other man. That's a part of our call to preserve life. Not just human life, but all life. Here we see that Man does not have unlimited power over life. That's for God and God alone. Our power is limited. And so we're not meant to violate life. That's what God is saying to Noah here. And this truly is a fresh start. It's like Noah is a second Adam, right? The whole world is his oyster. And even better, he can eat it. So that's wonderful. So I ask you, what new opportunity do you see God creating in the wings of your life just waiting to bring it onto center stage. Where have you been so focused on what's lost behind you that you're potentially missing even greater opportunities that lie ahead? I would encourage all of us today to ask and invite God to remove the blinders from our eyes so that we can see this opportunity in a way almost like scales falling from the eyes of Saul as God called him into the new opportunity to take the gospel to a hungry world and acts. Ask God to reveal to you where he may be moving in your life right now. And as that reset, reset button provides opportunity, we need to invite God into that. But that's not it, you guys. A reset not just provides opportunity, it also provides promise. And here in Noah's story, we see the promise to preserve creation. All right, are you tracking with me? What we're about to see is the promise to preserve creation. Look with me at Genesis 9, starting in verse 11, all right? God says, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Again, bumping ahead to 13, he says, I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, 
I will remember my covenant that's between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. You guys, there's something amazing in this promise that God's giving. It's a promise full of grace. Students, we define that as unmerited favor, right? Undeserved goodness and blessing. And right here is God gives Noah this new promise. It's blessing and goodness. And it doesn't hinge on human obedience. You guys, hear that out. God's promise here doesn't depend on our ability to obey perfectly. Instead, human compliance to God's law actually allows us to live and enjoy the gracious gift of life most fully. And so God's promise is not a chain around our necks. Instead, it's freedom and a guarantee that through right relationship with Him, we can live our fullest lives in blessing. When God sets His his bow in the clouds. Of course, we're thinking the rainbow. And the Hebrew certainly is actually referring to the weapon of war. That's the same word used here. It's not necessarily the casually familiar image that we think through that makes me think of Lucky Charms for some reason. I don't know why not. It's as if God is saying here, I've hung up my weapon of killing, and this is going to institute a time of peace for mankind. Just like in 2 Corinthians 5, it tells us, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The God who is no longer fighting against us has hung up his weapons of war. And now his fight is actually for our very hearts and souls to win us back into relationship with him. And this all begins with this renewed promise to preserve human life here with Noah in this time of reset. Remember, a reset offers opportunity as well as promise. And so when our circumstances of change and transition that have long since overstayed their welcome, the the same stuff that we maybe by gut instinct want to run away from this reset or, or we want to take control for ourselves, in the same context, we can actually expect greater things. God intends to bless And for a long time, I've understood blessing as God conferring the fullness of life upon us. That's his heart. God wants to give us opportunity and promise as a blessing to us, just like it says in Romans 8. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Everything in a reset that is painful or uncomfortable, all the things we've been mourning or looking backwards towards, all of those, God wants to use those towards good for the fullness of life for you and for me in right relationship for Him. God has incredible plans for our lives. No, let's restate that. 
let's say it this way. God has incredible plans for his kingdom. And he has chosen to include the human race in the fullness of his blessings and grace. But that does mean there are seasons where a reset becomes necessary. So, for you and for me, when it's time to push the reset button on our lives or our circumstances, I want to close this out with some practical tips on how to make this real in our lives as we process this before we leave today. Alright, are you ready for this? First, students, back up your data. Alright? Back up your data. Before you reset your phone, you always back things up, right? Before you shut down the laptop, you save that paper you've been working on. We always have to back up our data. And so for you and for me, what that looks like is we've got to start practicing hiding God's word in our hearts. How else are you supposed to trust him through times of transition instead of turning to despair? God's word It's the light for our eyes. It's the sustenance for our daily rhythms of life. And so you and I have the opportunity to back up our data by starting to internalize his word more and more and more. Spending time on a regular basis in the word. Making it a part of our lives. That's backing up our data. Second, allow for simple resets. All right? Are you with me? Allow for simple resets. Because not every reset has to be big and dramatic and sweeping and have to do with the eradication of mankind, right? There's space for smaller, simpler resets for us on a daily basis. After all, 2 Corinthians 5 also says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you and I, we can live every day waking up to walk by the Spirit. And this can become a daily pattern for us. Not just those dramatic hard reboots. As we become more accustomed to these simple resets, the repeated habitual centering of our hearts and souls back on God, we actually find ourselves less shaken when the more dramatic seasons come. And then third... We want to be aware of the difference between imperfect tech versus a perfect engineer. Now hear me out on this, students. We don't solve all of this at once. Over this weekend, you've probably become aware of ways that God is trying to reset some things in your life or some things that you need to say yes to resetting. But I'm telling you today, don't expect to fix it all at once. One weekend reset doesn't do it all. In Genesis, things went back the way they were shortly afterwards, right? After all of this beautiful preservation, we find Noah going back into sin. And sin continues in the human race. We still see that legacy today. We still are up against our flesh and a fallen world and a very real enemy out there. And so I'm here to tell you today that the only thing that can truly solve and fix our imperfect tech is our perfect creator, the perfect engineer of it all. Jesus is our ultimate answer in the gospel. Students, don't get frustrated or defeated over your imperfect wiring. 
When you find yourself stumbling again, allow for those simple resets and fix your eyes on the engineer. Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And then when a reset comes, we can actually embrace it. Because a reset provides opportunity and it provides promise. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we give you glory for what we're talking about today. You are the ultimate creator and provider. And you are the one that has saved us. Just like we've seen this weekend, the story of you saving Noah and preserving humankind through the ark amidst the chaos of that catastrophic reset. And Lord, at the same time, we can feel and and understand that there's been a reset button pushed over and over again in our lives over the last few months, over the last year as we look to 2020 and now 2021. And God, you may not be finished. You may still have great work to do in our lives and hearts, but right now, this morning, we want to fix our eyes on you. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. Instead of allowing our eyes to fall off of you and get fixed on on what we've lost or what we're mourning or the things that feel like death and pain and discomfort. God, we've spent so much time focusing on those things. Help us this morning to turn over into a new daily pattern of reset where we can offer back up to you our lives and say, God, we sacrifice ourselves like, like Noah did with that altar back to you in a pattern of dependence. We need you, Lord. We love you. We can never thank you enough for the ways that you provide for us and you sustain us and you care for us. We love you, Lord, so much. And we pray these things in Jesus' most holy and precious name. Amen.